Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Today's main guest is the comedian Kyle Hovland. He is a good friend of mine. But before we get there, we have a segment with Weird New World with Ryan Sadokrin. And we talk about public transportation and the future. It does get a little heated towards the end, so uh, uh, brace yourself. Uh, further reminder to please subscribe to the JMS Podcast if you have not already on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and on iTunes. You can also follow the JMS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please support this podcast by not only subscribing and hopefully spreading the news about it, but you can also donate at Patreon. Just search for JMS Podcast at the Patreon website. You can visit the JMS Podcast website at jmspodcast.com and check out all the available content. And um, and yeah, so help us out. It, it, this operation is getting a lot bigger for a one-man team, which is me so far. And um, I can use all the help I can get. All right, let's head on over to Weird New World with Ryan Sadakran. Welcome to uh, another uh, Weird New World with Ryan Sadakran. How's it going, Ryan? It's going good. How about yourself, Jorge? Hanging in there. It's been a tough day today, mm-hmm. as, as I was telling you earlier. It's tough. But, but we're here. We're here to learn about new things that's happening. We are. So what are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about the future of transportation. Tra- like um, Public transportation. Public transportation. Got it. Got it. To clarify. Public transportation is pretty... Important, right? Because in some places, that's the only way someone can get around. Uh, and then, uh, because not many countries are like the United States, where the roads are meant for the cars. Yeah. So everybody has to have a car. I mean, in a lot of other countries, uh, public transportation is like is very efficient. In general, uh, a lot of public transportation trends are moving more towards like crowdsourced options, right? Like bike sharing, ride sharing, obviously with Uber and Lyft. And then uh, the other big leap is self-driving vehicles. So uh, I mean, I can get into those first. Those are those are pretty interesting. Let's get to them. Yeah. So uh, a big um, a big push, as you know, like Google and Uber are putting a lot of money into research, is is self-driving cars. So, but before that, there's uh, people are investing in self-driving buses. Today, we are getting a closer look at new technology never before seen in the Department of Transportation is testing out self-driving buses that could carry commuters on the streets one day. There's this in Finland, there's like the EU is financing a program to do research on self-driving buses on specified routes. So if and this is like gaining a lot of traction, I think in the next couple of years, it's actually going to be implemented like on a large scale. But essentially, they're training these buses using like um, machine learning algorithms on specified paths. So like a very common bus route would be like, you know, down one long road, right? And so the bus is trained for that specific path. So the margin of error is a lot less instead of, you know, regular uh, self-driving cars that are being trained for all situations in which they'd have to deal with a whole bunch of different things like four-way intersections, etc. Whereas this bus, these buses are being trained on very specific paths. So they go to their destination, they come back, they don't have any other variability. Mm-hmm. 
and that seems pretty promising because you know it'll um, cut costs for the uh, the city agencies. It'll it'll allow for more efficient you know bus transport and timing. So in some ways, it'll be like a, a subway where the train goes from A to B directly. Yeah. Except it's on the road where the, yeah. where the bus is going from stop to stop, then back and forth. Yeah, that's the idea, at least behind this initiative. Uh, I think yeah, in Finland, uh, there's a, a company or a, a project called Sojoa. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but that's essentially what they're doing. They're doing a self-driving bus that follows specific paths and, yeah, treat it kind of like a subway. It would make things, I think it would make things nice and efficient. And, in fact, there's ideas... Um, there's there's some pushes to make it even smarter so each of the each of the passengers on the bus uh they have access to an app and their app you specify the destination you want to go and the bus might even be able to understand like drive you closer based on your preference so optimize its route based on the destination locations of each of the customers the passengers right so you know how normal uh public bus routes they don't care about what the where the passengers actually want to go they just go to the closest stop that's mm-hmm. there. Whereas the optimized bus will take into consideration those locations and find the best trained path to get there to make everyone's life easier, right? Right. So there's not stop A, stop B, stop B, C. Each of those stops could be a variable depending on where the custom, the passengers want to go. Mm. So that's an interesting idea, right? It's kind of like a taxi cab, but, but fitting everyone's needs and a lot cheaper. I guess along the same note, there's, there's self-driving cars. I thought I'd get into that a little bit. Um, there's a lot of ideas of, uh, I think Uber has a plan that they want to provide self-driving cars as a service. Well, there's big news in the world of self-driving cars. Uber passengers will be able to request a self-driving car with a touch of a button later this month. Uber Technologies has signed a $300 million agreement with Volvo to develop these self-driving taxis. The pilot program in Pittsburgh will assign the cars to random customers using the app. And Uber is hoping to eventually replace its 1 million drivers. So you kind of pay a monthly uh, subscription and then they'll ship these cars to your house and pick you up, drop you off. And so it's kind of like you, you don't even have to own a car. You just you pay for a subscription and they do that. Now that is not, I don't think we're even close to that reality. Maybe mm-hmm. next 10, 20 years. But there is, um, there's another company in Finland. Um, I think they're called MAAS. So they, they're they they're calling it um, like transportation at a, at a service. I, I forget the actual, what the acronym means, MAAS. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to do that idea, but for pre-existing transportation infrastructures. So for like a monthly fee, you can pay for specified train and bus lines and even like ride sharing people to carry you multiple steps along the way. So if you're trying to get to A to B and the train only gets you half of the way and the car gets you half the way and and then like another route gets you another part of the way, you can pay for all of the legs of that trip just by a monthly fee and then this service will mix them all together Mm -hmm. to make your life a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. So, so far we got, you know, self-driving buses and possibly subscription-based uh, self-driving vehicles. Yeah. And, um, yeah, along that, I, a little bit more about self-driving stuff in general. There's a lot of really cool technologies involved in creating self-driving vehicles, right? Um, there's LiDAR technology where it's it's kind of like a, it's, 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 it's a type of laser, laser system that allows you to view 
the 3D map of your surroundings and then uh, gauge depth and width and, and just generate, yeah, generate a 3D picture and allow for better navigation. So a lot of companies are doing that. In fact, there's a company called Luminar in Palo Alto that's doing that. Yeah. They're using LiDAR um, to generate this view. And it's cool. You know, um, it, it's a lot of interesting visual technology that is being made specifically for self-driving cars, but could be made for a whole lot of other systems later. And there's also these moral questions that come when you're designing a self-driving car. The one popular one that surfaced a couple months ago, or surfaced uh, probably about a year ago now, is is like the idea of if you have two situations with a self-driving car, you can run over one person or you can run over three people. It's a classic trolley problem, right? What do you program the car to do in situations like that? Hit the brakes. <laughs> hit nobody. I mean, you hit the brakes, but say it's a more complex situation, right? Yeah. That there's not enough time. You can either hit the brakes and possibly injure the person next to you or veer off and hit the wall. And kill yourself. And, and, and injure the person in the car. Yeah. So yeah. which one should you do, right? Because either one has a pretty bad outcome. So that, those are interesting questions that there is no real clear answer to. Uh, everyone's morality on the subject is different. Well, I feel, because I thought I heard about this, and I, and I've, I sometimes contemplated it, but uh, considering we're putting as much technology into this whole self-driving navigation thing, mm-hmm. you should, they should also put more uh, into the safety of airbags or other safety features inside. So if it decides to crash into the wall instead... It, it could still, you know, may harm you but won't kill you. Right, so that's a given. But the thing is, uh, if you knew that self-driving cars were programmed to crash in the event of something like that happening, you wouldn't get in them. Like, you'd be more apprehensive. I see what you're saying, and that makes sense. But, you know, keep in mind that so far, most of the crashes happening are from humans who drive the cars themselves. That's true, that's so true. It, it's, so, logically, that's true. I feel the probability of self-driving cars crashing and killing their owners is smaller but it will happen but i think it's a risk small enough to take so you are you are different in that aspect i think most people would be very scared oh. most people are distrustful of technology right like most people and, want and you to know me you know out of all people i am like a, a luddite you know me true <laughs> but you actually have a pretty nuanced view on this and a lot of people thinking like oh self-driving cars are gonna crash. i'll take that as a compliment i guess yeah, I mean, hey, I if am you're different. Luddite, Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm unique good, and right. you're, fabulous. You're, you're freaking flower horse. Okay. Um, special. But, but you get what I'm saying, though, right? I do. I do. But I, I do get what you're saying. And right? that's that's the that's the position I take. I think that like there's just such a greater probability of of human error when you're actually driving than there is with a. And I'm sure most comedians like us here, they it's like, you know what? Just kill us. Get it over with. Yeah. Fuck okay. It. Well, yeah. Well, we're <laughs> we're depressive. It's not. <laughs> The same for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. But, but I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, th- that's one concern, right, uh, that that could be brought up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an interesting space. If anything, if the car is going to make the decision to crash and kill the owner instead of, like, the pedestrian, they should just make sure that they kill you, at, you know, instantly. You know, it's like speed up or so something. So just, a, just a, a needle to your head. Yeah, just like, have like, instead of an airbag, just an instant death. Right, because prevent any could suffering. You, it'll be let's say it hits a wall and you survive and you're fucking mangled for life and shit. It's like you know what, just get it over with. If you're gonna kill me, make sure you do it right. Okay. Okay. Can we get these Silicon uh, Valley uh, so tech people to to make that the priority? If you're buying a self-driving Tesla, sign up for the Mercy Kill feature. It's worth it. <laughs>
yeah no it, it, it is an interesting interesting moral question um before we go i noticed that a lot of these examples talk about automation pretty much removing the human operator element of these transportation yes why do you, why do you think this is the direction they're going and do you really think that's a uh, a prudent approach. Why is it the direction? Simple. Uh, less people to pay. Um, you just would have to pay for some guy who knows the system. So like a couple of maintenance people, uh, an operator, presumably at some sort of nexus or station. Uh, but without drivers, less wages, less health insurance to pay. It's just easier for the company. And unfortunately, that means the loss of these jobs. But the world is changing. And as we get further and further into this new age of automation blue collar jobs are going to go away and un that's the unfortunate reality of the future doesn't that freak you out um no that freaks me the fuck out because blue collar jobs have been a thing since the dawn of mankind and the second you start taking out blue collar jobs you, it's a whole new level of human humanity that we haven't well, had yet. Yeah, that's great. A lot of things have been a thing since the dawn of mankind. We used to have serfs. We used to have slaves. We used to have a lot of diseases. But we used to have, we asked to have, You're taking it too far, though. What I'm saying is to have a guy whose job is to simply drive a car mm -hmm. or simply drive a bus, mm -hmm. dr drive a carriage, take care of a caravan, mm -hmm. you know, back in the days removing that for potentially forever there comes a point where we no longer will become a whole new type of society i think a better society you say better but what is better i think because the blue car jobs are now not an option the only method for survival for was people people adapt humans are resilient we adapt to our environment if the environment is set such that you cannot get a job in a trade career you cannot just become a fry cook you cannot just become a bus driver people need to survive and they will take the measures they will learn technical skills they will have to there's no other recourse you think if coffee shop jobs weren't available well coffee jobs is not blue collar i don't Shut know I, it's up. not blue collar but I'm, I'm putting uh, like just low lower income paying jobs, right? People are smart. Even if people say, I'm not a math person, I'm not this, they will do what's necessary to make them their lives better. And so when we uh, when we remove jobs, we're not, we're, we're shifting opportunity. People will try to go for more advanced jobs because it is necessary. Well, actually, here's the point I'm trying to make though, is that we are constantly developing technology for our comfort, for, for people, to feel more comfortable, to not work as hard at something because you have this technology available for you. You can just Google it. Oh, you don't need to learn how to fucking drive. You can just take this transporter fucking shit. You don't need to know how to, I don't know, how to fucking hammer something in because you got a robot doing it for you anyway. Well, what? Okay. So where is that going to take us when there's a society where we forget, you know, practical hardworking stuff but practical hardworking stuff is not necessary is what is that the that's not the beauty of human life like we don't have to go and get Hard water work is part of Jorge, human do you want to go get water from a well 
Do you not like plumbing? I still have to take this fucking water gallon to save So what? That is nothing. That's the same shit. If you... I'm just more comfortable at doing it. Yeah, so what's the re- What's the problem? With, that is... You know that that is better than getting water from a well. Right. But here's what I'm saying is, right now for this example, I still take this gallon that my family uses to the Safeway to refill it and come back up. So are you... So pretty soon there's going to be the future. There's going to be technology where I don't have to worry yeah. about it because water's going to be the whole time. Do you take pride hold in that? On, I don't on, understand. Hold on. I do. Well, because I meet people along the way and I oh fucking buy God. shit along the way. Well, hold on. But let's say there's a technology where there's a fucking water gallon where it refills by itself forever. Yeah, right? what is the issue well, with that? I don't see the issue. With what that. if, if, and considering there's humans still involved here, there is uh, uh, mischievous actions. Like, let's say someone fucking wants to, like, ruin a society. They just take down the grid. They take down the fucking infrastructure. Well, then humans will have to adapt. Down, they take down the electricity, and we're back to zero one. We still have to do that. We still have to do that with natural disasters, but humans survive. It's going to be the story of John Smith, in my opinion, where you got these privileged settlers from England oh my God. coming over to to the Carolina. Or was it Carolina? No. What was it? It was Roanoke? No. But they came in here Virginia, to, the, to the New World. These privileged fucking white people in England. Jesus Christ. And almost all of them died because they didn't know how to fucking even plant a fucking seed. Well, it took John Smith. Hope. It took John Smith to be like, "Hey, fuckers, we need to fucking feed ourselves." The hope is that people become smarter as a result. Okay, smarter no, does not mean you know. No, smarter practical as in, at no, the same you time. You don't know. You can still be practical. I don't know. I don't know how to fix. I wasn't trained as a mechanic. Right, but if I have a problem with my car or with a machine, I can easily look it up because the knowledge is available at my fingertips. Yeah, that is the beauty of the modern world. We don't have to go and farm our own food because of uh, the network of services available to All, us. I'm it saying maybe we better. should. No, maybe we should. I don't think we should. Maybe we should. We'll have healthier options. And maybe we'll be much more, you know, uh, humble people. All right, new challenges will arrive. I should probably do a garden in my fucking backyard. You could, but you're doing it. See, the, when you're doing it that way, then you are cultivating it for yourself. You are creating a different character. You can't impose that on everyone. Not everyone has joy in gardening. But if you find joy in gardening, it doesn't mean you have to impose that on everyone else. You know, I hate gardening. You're right. It's not gonna work. Right. Out, right? <laughs> it's 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 like. I, I get I get where you're coming from where you know having to do hard work builds a sense of character builds a sense of drive but that is also available in other things do you think as an artist work isn't hard imagine if I'm not an artist what are you talking no, no, about think, I'm just hypothetically like okay. as a painter or a, as a Picasso. writer I like right? to think I would be a Picasso right, right? Yeah. so what about this what about if society became uh, grew to such a point where all of your basic needs are taken care of. Everything's automated. There is no need to do any work other than creative endeavors. How would that be? That would be amazing. Do you know how many douchebags are doing creative endeavors? We're probably, we're probably just going to be douchebags. No, Everybody's no. going to be a douchebag. Why bag. would you say douchebags? If everyone is doing creative endeavors, then you're going to sort which one is better. There will be an ecosystem. The douchebags will not get as much respect as the true people who are in it. Okay, like it'll be I'm a saying, different if system. somebody all they're doing in their life is something creative, they'll be a douchebag. How do you know? How do you know? Society has never been that way until now. You're right. Until it, it, you're it's right. not you're right. even now. It's not even now. It, it's, society has never been to the point where all of our needs are taken care of. But that's what I'm saying. It's pretty soon going to be that way. So, well, well, then we should embrace it. I don't. I think. I think the problem is that you think that society right now is working a sort of way well. 
Why? Why does no, it have no, no, to no, work? No, no, that's what I'm way? saying. I'm saying yeah, there's things to fix. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for it. Like, yeah. All this fucking, I'm all for technology helping everybody out and making things easier. What I'm worried about is is this um, focus that they have in removing a human element to technology. Where, well, where, the human... Where, okay. where, where they're removing, you know, not, not just jobs, but essentially human responsibilities and accountability for certain things. So I'm like, well, you're right. You know, they're going to have to adjust and have to get jobs uh, fixed. But it's like, if everybody's living a comfortable life, which I'm all for, mm-hmm. but if it's too comfortable and too privileged... Well, this is what I'm... This is my counter to that. First of all, how do we get here from transportation? Yeah, well, we're talking about automation. It's pretty related, right? <laughs> well, I think... I think... Here's my counter to that. Is people who are janitors and people who are working blue car jobs, that was never their dream. No one wants to work those jobs, but they have to. And maybe they find... Maybe they find some... I get that and I respect that, but there's skills still to be learned. No, but listen... Maybe they okay. They find something valuable in that later. They learn some skills from that. Sure. You know what? Some people do want to be fucking mechanics. Well, let people... me because yeah, they're interested in it. But even if they were interested in, it, they'd pursue it either way. They'd pursue it. If your people work on cars for fun, right? So the you, thing you is, you think everybody wants to be creative and be an artist? Not creative in the art way. Creative in other ways, C- building things, making things. People like hobbies. People like watching sports. People like doing sports people like trying different industries people well, like what's stopping them from doing that if you're working blue collar you get less time to do that if you're working if you have if all of that is done for you all of your time is for that people find meaning and challenge they will find ways to challenge themselves they will learn a new skill they will travel there's so many other things that everyone could do i i think i think saying that there that there'll be a loss of meaning with a loss of jobs is is not trusting in the human spirit to challenge ourselves that's what we do we find things we make new things we find new problems to solve fine well fine you're I, if ever comes a time where the robots turn on us and they start using us as harvesting you know our shit you know where our only purpose in life is to be a fucking blood bag for their fuel whatever right don't don't blame me all right blame I bta won't. blame bart for you know for bart <laughs> for pushing this technology all right they, it all starts here that's all i'm saying i think you're right and i think i think that we should willingly donate our bodies to uh our new machine overlords i think they're the next step in evolution and we are I, worthless I, i'd much rather have a fucking tesla car kill me by crashing to a fucking wall than have to bow down to a fucking washing machine all right well, that's how they'll get us they'll use the teslas yeah. all right ryan uh great talking to you to you here this is why we have you here because mm-hmm. these are important discuss- discussions and you fun. are the right science tech guy to talk about uh ryan sadarkin thank you again uh for coming and uh, have a good one yeah you too man thanks always enjoy it <laughs>
Um, we were always friendly to each other. A couple of times, me and him had our our phases where we had falling outs, but somehow we always ended up back in each other's arms. He is this, one of the sweetest men in comedy, and definitely with a unique style than most over here. And uh, I'm sure if you've seen him perform, you would have remembered who this guy is. Uh, Kyle Hovland uh, is a good friend, and I, it was just a pleasure having him back here on the podcast. And we had a good talk about comedy and about many other things. So here we go. Let's go talk to Kyle Hovland. So what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, no, this is. Um, you know, you don't. I don't. I think I'm. I'm pretty good with that. Where like, if I do, if I have a good set, I don't take it too personal. Like, it feels great in the moment. That's so hard not to take it personal. Yeah, but you're right. You shouldn't take it personal. Like, it feels great in the moment, and it's like a high. And then it's nice when people recognize it. They come up to friends of yours and like, good job, or somebody you don't know even better. Says, good job. That feels nice. Mm-hmm. But I know not to take it like, okay, I had a good set in this venue. It doesn't mean I'm I'm like headlining at this place or I'm, I'm making a million. You know what I mean? And on the other hand, if I just totally shit the bed, you know, I did bad at this venue. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. I'm never going to do comedy. Like, I, I think I'm pretty balanced that way. You know what I mean? I think I, I would like to just get better and better and have, keep that where I have it perspective. Like, maybe enjoy the high for a second when you do well, but not, like, get carried away, <laughs> carried away with it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, here's a question. What do you prefer? Is to be told you had a good set by an audience member or by a fellow comedian? Um, I think a fellow comedian, unless the girl's really cute, you know? Well, <laughs> I, I didn't put a gender. No, uh, I know. But that's a specific thing. I'd rather have a comic that's my friend or someone I really respect that I'm not even friends with that does comedy, but I respect them, and they're like, hey, man, you did a good set. I'd prefer that than, like, Joe Schmo. But at the same time, like, if it was a really cute girl, I'd probably like that more than at least a friend's compliment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, what if it was a comedian you don't respect, and they're giving you the compliment? That's nice. Oh, a comedian I don't respect. Yeah, uh, I mean it's ni- nice, but it's not like does. I guess it well, doesn't mean much if you don't respect him. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, I don't, I don't look at that like, I don't think like that that where oh I don't respect this guy. Only even if I don't find a person funny, only people I don't like are assholes. You know, like mm-hmm. if there's a guy, there's a couple guys that are, you know, even guys that are really good, and they just come across like assholes. And I I don't ever want to like sometimes I'm I, I'm awkward like last night we were at Art Boutique and I'm sitting there and I, was it Tran Nicole Nicole Tran had a couple friends there and one girl this lady was talking to me and you know like when you take a Uber and someone starts asking you questions and I don't really want to talk yeah, yeah I get that it's in the morning I'm tired uh-huh. I'm taking an Uber and someone wants to know where I'm going what I'm working where do I you know. And I don't want to go through that. I don't want to explain myself. And so I, I don't, I probably, I just kind of give short answers and hope that they stop talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, <laughs> last night I was like, you've been, this girl was like, who's friends with her. She's like, hi, you've been doing comedy. So what made you want to get into comedy? 
how long you been doing? And I was that's like, so annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I was that. answering it, and she's a very nice lady. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I answered her, and I, I hope she didn't think I was an asshole. I just, I answered her. I just really didn't. I was trying to get in my own headspace, kind of. Or that sounds douchey, but you know what I mean. And you were uh, focusing. Yeah, you're, well, you're th- yeah because you you were up to perform, so you, you yeah. had to stay focused. Yeah, and may and you're just maybe you're thinking about life, or you're just not in a social, you know. But on the other hand, I'm always if someone says hi to me, I say hi. I'm nice to everybody, always. Even if, and I even you know when someone's like I'm doing comedy for a week, I'm not. I don't think I'm better because I've been doing it longer, or I don't think people get that. You know, where they're like, oh, I I I've been doing it for seven years or something, or I, I'm I got up at the punchline or whatever, and they kind of have added, you know. They look down on newbies or guys that are just starting. I'm never that way because everyone starts at some point. I just don't like it when a guy's a dick. You know, when someone's like, I don't know. There's some guys out there and, and you know what I mean? You're just like, fuck this. You know what I mean? I just, that's me. I, if someone's not an asshole, I'm, I'm, I like everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Uh, I, I don't know. You know me. Sometimes I'm the asshole. Sometimes, uh, you know... I don't know. Like I, I'm too. I sometimes I feel like I'm too emotional. I, I think I, I carry that on me, and and in comedy it's like it's it's good to be emotional on a certain level, but some level you need to separate yourself mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, you're gonna have some good sets and some bad sets. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I have like a shitty set that I'm just not you know digging it, and the audience is obviously not digging it, it, it really haunts me for like a good while. Yeah. And the next day I could have a good set but previous night's bad set would still be in my mind and as far as like dealing with uh, difficult uh, comedians I just don't talk to them really mm-hmm. you know you know, maybe a little small talk but I won't really hang out with them and you know, just keep, keep your distance you know and it's like I, I was having this conversation uh, conversation with uh, uh, Brian Blanco and it's like it's easy in comedy to find negative people you know because it's the easiest expression a negative person can immediately go to, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, to and to do it. Right. It's so easy to do instead. You just go to an open mic and you're there and you just perform. It. Anybody could do it, as far as you know, trying it. Yeah. yeah. And so you, a lot of negative negative people, you know, uh, are in that field because it, it's it's um, an easy access, I guess, to immediately express yourself. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but it's just. And when I, when I was starting out, you know, you know, I came in naive, like oh, everybody's friends. Every, yeah, yeah. But after a while, you're like, no. Sometimes you gotta choose who you hang out with, who you talk to. You know, I'm I'm even doing that on social media. I'm like unfollowing a lot of not not un, like unfriending, but not following right their right. posts. Yes, because yeah. I'm like like I just find myself just going through them. It's like you know I don't even like this person. Why why am I even following them and what they have to say? Right, right. No, I get that. I sense people post something, this and uh, if I'm annoyed once with one of those, yeah, I just unfollow. unfollow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many years are you in comedy now? Uh, in in May it'll be five years. We're the same, dude. We're like. I guess I the fr- me you Faco um, a couple other people we're in the yeah. same generation of, of comedians. Here okay, starting yeah, you start. Yeah. I, I forgot. I'm not worried reaching those that fifth year. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I just want to get better and better. That's I. I look at how where I'm at now and when I first started. You know, I had a friend that, you know, uh, 
in 2013, going back to Roosters, and a friend filmed it on his phone or whatever, and he sent me, I can't even watch it, it's so awful, you know? And I'm much better than I was then, but I'm only, I'm not even a fraction of where I want to be, so I just want to keep getting better, keep plugging away. Well, for you, what's the ultimate goal with comedy? I would like to, uh, you know, be able to make a living with stand-up where I don't have to have another job, you know, that's my ultimate goal, and and, uh, just... You know, have that as my sole, not needing an additional job to do it. And then, you know, then you have, I have my dreams. Like, everyone that's doing comedy, no one, everyone wants to, like, you know, they have, I dream, like, just about everybody, you th- dream about, you know, having this, your special in 20 years or, you know, <laughs> having an album or something, you know. But my main, I would love to make a living. I don't need to be, like, I wouldn't be interested in being, like, to make you know there's certain a few comics that are like I'm saying like way too much that do like arenas and stuff like that you know they, they have those that level of stardom of comics I would never I would rather be a comic that has a group of people that really enjoy your stuff and follow you but it doesn't have to be 10 million people <laughs> you know what I mean and just I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to be a rock like I love Steve Martin. He's one of my favorite all time. I think he was the first kind of rock star comedian. I love Steve Martin. But generally speaking, these guys you see coming out, I'm not naming names, but guys that are like, you know, they 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 could perform in Yankee Stadium or something. You know, like I, I would rather just, uh, I would just like to make a living at comedy without another job. That's what I would like to do. So like being a working comic, yeah, hit, hitting sure. the road. Yeah, oh, I'd love stuff. That's like a that. dream. Yeah. And and if you know, I would love to have some leave some, you know, uh something where one day I'd have an you know, albums or specials or something like that. Like everyone I'm, I think everyone that gets into it 99.9% of dreams of that, you know. You know, now that I'm reaching my 5th year pretty soon, I'm thinking of like 5 years in do I have enough for an hour special? I don't. I'm not even close. I don't think I do either. I'm not close. And yeah. that really worries me. Well, because like, because I remember remember when I was putting together the JMS podcast uh, comedy night. Uh, the the initial concept before it became the Ritz, you know, comedy show, uh-huh. was to have it at the Improv. Okay. And the initial concept was to uh you know have again these performers that were on the podcast mm-hmm. and have me headline cool yeah which i would never done before mm-hmm. but you know i found this is an opportunity to really push myself and really put it out there okay and the more i thought about it the more i was like all right it's like a challenge like like right. I, I know i know i ain't shit you know but you know it, it's why not try and fail as opposed to never try at all mm-hmm. and and i was talking to uh, donna my event coordinator the podcast uh, I'm sure you're familiar with her Donna Steelman she was a poet yes yeah yeah uh, and and she she says well do you think you, you could make you could draw people in and I was like no and that's when I was like you know what I'm not I'm not even you know and eventually you know I, I t- not just talk myself but I had other people confirm with me and be like yeah you're just not ready and it, it came to a point where I had to respect you know those opinions and be like yeah you're right it's better off if I just start hosting it and have you know people more experienced do this but you know i had to had a really tough conversation with myself in that moment was like it's like 
yes, the dream is to have specials. The dream is to, you know, become headliner status. Right. It doesn't have to be big time. It could be, you know, at, at a club, at a small level. But it, it made you reflect of, like, how much effort am I putting into not just, uh, you know, becoming, I guess, lack of a better way, universally good. Uh-huh. Where they can't be like, oh, he's not headliner status, you know? Because you know, there's even here, there's some local comics where you're like, yeah, she, like that person's headlining material, right, right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 sometimes I catch myself in that web, of of constantly, you know, reassessing where I'm at, and sometimes I'm a little too hard on myself, or sometimes I'm not, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm overthinking it or, or having a bit of an ego trip, but like I'm like, you know, five years in, like where am I really? Like and and where do other comics see me? Cause you know what, to talk about that first question of like, you know, you had a good set. I don't get that often from other comics. And again, I'm not saying because maybe because I'm shitty, but it's more more like you know how am I perceived among you know my my own fellow comics? It's like well, you know, I think uh, I guess the fear there is like oh I'm so you know regular and mediocre. Like they all just see me as oh it's just a, it's just Jorge doing his set. That's well, I think you I think you are hard on yourself. I also think it's and at the end of the day, uh, as long as you're honest with yourself and 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 you have a honest perception of yourself and you just keep tr- going up and you keep getting better, like I, I said, it, I'll be about. I, I did it briefly before and then and 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 stopped uh, when I when I and for years and then I've been I started doing it in May 2013 again I knew I would get back to it but that's when I've been so I'll be five years in May but I would to honest with myself I like doing seven sets a week you know not every day but I, one day I may do two or three another day I do two another day you know over three or four days a week I do seven sets a week. But I feel like in maybe five years, I feel like I put in three years of work in five years. I think I work hard, especially that I have a nine to six job with kids during the day. Now I'm, you know, you know, taking improv classes, my, at Meisner class. At, well, I, my time is stretched, and I do get up there. And I wasn't just, you know, for years now. I don't just go once or twice. I'm doing seven sets a week, and I'm working hard. But um, I don't think... Recently, I've had to come to realize I gotta. I have to work harder with writing. I mean, I write, but I've had a lot of writer's block. I gotta work on writing more, even if it's shit, and just keep doing it. And I've come up with some really good jokes recently that I'm happy with. But I just gotta keep writing more. I gotta. Um, also, this is a big thing for me: is get out other places more. I, I I I'm guilty of just hitting the same mics, you know. Yeah. And I do showcases. I get invited to. To, to showcases, whether it's, you know, Pete's at Dave & Buster's or, or, or in Slow or uh, Zignoni's recently at Tavern. Or I, I get the showcases, and uh, I've done my share of them. But the real thing to me, which we should all be striving for, which I'm not even, I'm really having to reassess myself, is getting weekend work at comedy clubs. That's where you want to go. And I've, I've maybe been to Roosters like 15 times now, but after the first year, I only went a couple times for the competition. I stopped really going. And, um, you know, Pete, who's done it over 10 years, he gets does weekend work there. 
Uh, NASCO has gotten paid weekend work opening, you know, for others. Uh, I know Zignoni and uh, and Faco have done a Wednesday there. Uh, Shannon's got a weekend work. So I really said, you know, what am I doing? I got to start going to Roosters again, even though I've been there like 15 times. I ne- I never, I've seen Heather. I've never introduced myself to her. Yeah. I My plan is I got to go back there, go four or five times, get used to a quick five-minute set because I'm used to now at these local mics and being known in the local South Bay scene, I could go on for a decent amount of time. I got to make it tight and punchy in five minutes. That means I can't really bring my friends. Plus at Roosters, the mic doesn't extend for Wahoo. So I got to just keep it quite uh, tight and punchy, like over five minutes, do that four or five times, not run the light like I did last time there have Heather watch me and try to get like a Wednesday or something. I got to do that. I got to be smart. Did you get heat for running the light? Yeah, I hadn't done it in a long time. And I'm used to going these mics where people give me, with my friends and I was be up there 10 minutes or something, right? So I was trying to do everything with my friends. And I didn't see it. And it went by so fast. And it was someone else. I forget her name. But she was pissed. And she didn't know I, you know, she she doesn't know how long I've been doing it or people I'm friends with who do shows there all the time but she just doesn't know me mm-hmm. and uh which is fine you know there's no reason for her to know me and uh i just fucked you know <clears throat> it's not a big deal i talked to i think it was phil griffiths was headlining that night no he was hosting that night it was like a wednesday uh show mm-hmm. he's i don't you know phil griffiths he's hilarious i've met him once or twice he's really funny dude never really got to talk to him though he's really funny dude um but he's like in san francisco a lot and I talked to him about it, I'm like, but he made it. He, he was like, "Don't worry, just don't, you know, don't run it like that." And so I, that's my plan this year: is try to do places like that more, go up for, just be smart. Like I'm putting in the work, but be smarter about the work. Right? Make sure I'm putting as much. I, I put in the time to get up on stage and do sets, but even if I'm having writer's block, put in the time for writing, and also put in the time of get get up there, but be smart about it where. I got to start going to roosters more. And then after four or five times of making it tight, polished five minutes and getting off, then have Heather watch me and try to get a Wednesday. I know, I know one, I'm, there's one person I'm thinking in particular, I'm not going to say nicest guy in the world, but it's not comparing like, Oh, I'm better than him or anything like that. But I'm like, this guy got in on Wednesday and he's great, but it just t- reassess. Like I got to be smarter about this. I could, if I put in the work, as far as going to this place and making it fit in what they want. I mean, not like selling out, but like having a f- polished five minute set, have her watch me, you know, potentially uh, I'll get a Wednesday down the line and then a, a weekend. I got to start, I got to start thinking like that. Otherwise I don't want to be here 10 years from now where I could go to certain mics and everyone's, Oh, there's Kyle. Where's Wahoo. I like what you do. That's great. But I would like to, you know, make a living and occasionally, like you, we've done showcases where, you know, I've gotten paid mm-hmm. 20 here, maybe more, 15 here, 40. I got paid at showcases. I, I won 100 at Pete's competition thing where we, but like a steady, you know, five shows a one weekend, like Shannon does at the Improv or at Roosters, we get 50 bucks a pop, something like that, 200 bucks every weekend. That's. That would be awesome. I gotta start doing that. I gotta start going to the punchline, though I hate going to San Francisco because why? 
Well, every time I've gone, I had a good time. I have I I have had a good time, but as far as comedy wise, yeah, no, I but my insecurity is that I'm actually better about it. I did. Uh, let me rephrase that. I did hate it um, because when I first started, no one knew me anywhere, so I was okay. And I would go with Zignoni to some open mic there or something. Every once in a while, I do Church Key or Neck of the Woods or or you know brainwash before it, it went under right mm-hmm. but I wasn't a regular there I knew some San Francisco comics but generally speaking people in San Francisco don't know me right people in the South Bay and San Jose know me but they don't know me there which is it's a bigger comedy scene there you know like in the comedy in the era of the comedy boom you hear LA New York San Francisco now more than ever and probably always because the you know industry in LA and New York those are the two, even ever even people in Frisco were like talking about going to LA or New York, right? But I just feel like San Francisco's close. I'm here right now, and I should get up there more. My insecurity was when I'd go to the punchline, I would I know Chad Opitz, I know Phil Griffiths, I know certain like big shot big guys there. But I'd go there and I'd see some guy that had started comedy like that I knew personally had done comedy like six months and he was talking with everyone everyone knew him and I was like persona non grata where I'm used to in San Jose oh that's right I was there that night at the punchline you were pissed off at a at a comedian there who you said you guys were cool with but there at the punchline he ignored you as if he didn't know you oh really I don't well I don't know I don't remember that but I'll say this oh, is that what you meant by the way persona no non grata? I, well, no I just meant like I mean, I just felt insecure about it because, like I said, these certain of these local places, I've had people I don't know come up to me and go, hey, Kyle, where's Wahoo or something? Not like I'm a star bar from it, but I've done it enough where people know, some people know I do comedy. Then I'd go there, and I was just insecure about having to meet all these new comics, and they all think I just, I'm just like, I must be the guy that's just starting because they've never seen me before, and yeah. I have that insecurity, you know? Yeah, I have, but, it, I have it too, by the way. But but I, I yeah. talked to some guys who were like, fuck that, who cares? Just go up, do the work, and if people see you're funny, it does, it's not going to matter. And so they are right, and I feel better about it now. But I was, I, the I had gone to Punchline a couple times and not gotten a card just every once in a while. And then so I finally just got a card. It got punched like three or four times. And I just, last time I went, I was pretty inse- felt pretty insecure. And But now I'm in a better place about it. I'm like, who cares? You know what? I know some people. I know some people that will, down in San Jose, they've come up to me and shake my hand. And then I've been in there and they're like, they don't know me. That's cool. They want That's what they want to do. That doesn't matter. I can't control that. But I'll just be, if I get there... I'll just be nice like I always am and just have to do the stupid thing, you know, just go, not stupid thing, but, you know, just go hang out there and then eventually, if I get the chance to go up, just do really well. That's And uh, so, I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess I'm just saying that wherever you're at, you know, you could be in this little little scene here and people like you, but you go over here and people don't know you and... Or maybe even they, they think you're terrible. So I think it, it you have to get out of the, what what does this person think or what does that person think? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it matters to an extent, but if you know you're paying the dues and you know you're funny, uh, you should still be open to listening to people because you want to improve, but not worry. If someone just doesn't respect you, even though you're carrying yourself respectfully, then fuck them. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. That's my long-winded, God, I'm long-winded way of saying that, you know? <laughs> well, you, and and I, I love the punchline. I think it's an amazing, it's an institution. So I'm not shitting on the whole process there. I'm just saying I felt insecure, but I want to go back in April because yeah. I have a couple things the next couple months on Sundays. But in April, I want to start going back every Sunday, just keep to myself, get the uh, card punched. You know, my friends like Zigdoni goes up there and, and Shannon and I love I'm not like close but I, I I wouldn't not I'm not friends per se but I love Chad Opitz I love a lot of those guys that get up there, you know I, I if they say you know they they say what's up to me I'll talk to them but I'm not gonna try to push my way through I'll just come hang out and be ready you know I just I we all have insecurities you know yeah well there's an interesting notion you put in there which I think is something I had to deal with in 2017. Uh, comedy wise and is that it's not so much how funny you are you know if you really want to you know get get as big as you can here in comedy it's also about networking yes you really gotta get yourself out there go oh, to new yeah. rooms meet new comics this is and, true and I remember for the first three years four, four years I, I was fairly reclusive because you know as a person I'm reclusive as a uh-huh. person I'm I'm shy I'm insecure and, and I don't prefer to really you know meet other comics who I don't know you know, I won't really make the effort to really meet people in that in that world. Uh, but you know, lately with Faco hitting up different mics, and really, oh, he's an animal, dude. He's yeah. awesome. And I'm like, and it's like you know, and you, when you go with Faco and you go to Santa Cruz or you go to anywhere in the East Bay or right, right. San Francisco, and they know him, and, and it's like, well, that's what it's about. It's it's it's, it's you meeting and building connections with other right, comedians because. Right. They will book you, right? Because right. if they know you, right? You can be the funniest person in the world, but if you're in the same ecosystem constantly, you're not gonna get much work anywhere else as much as you as you should, right? Right. You, know, you really gotta get out there and meet people, and that's why you know, like in Slapface, I I, I I performed there, and I made more of an effort to meet more of the SF comics that came down and right. talk to them and and see what they're up to, and 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 I think um, I I, I think that's my goal. For for this year so far, comedy wise, is hit different open mics farther out, and and just you know make an effort to meet others, right? See, see what they're doing and see what's up, uh, because yeah, like I was, I was like, how come I'm not getting booked for showcases as much? Like I get it once in a while, but everybody's getting booked left and right. Um, maybe I'm that that shitty of a comic. Well, it's like what's because I'm not even trying to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a and I have this problem not just in, in comedy, but I have it in music and in and in film and stuff. It's like like for some reason I, I'm the position of like I want them to judge me by my work. I see. So yeah. so when they call me up to collaborate or you know to be part of their their project, uh, I want it to be like you know them contacting me first, right? Not right. to be pretentious, be like oh yeah, it's more like I just want to make sure you like my stuff. I see. Instead yeah. of me going like, "Hey, you know, let me work with you," right, and and not and having you know shitty content, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. So so that I have I'm trying to change the way of thinking of like, just go talk to them, see what's up, be friendly. Yeah, yeah. You know, because because you know again sometimes I get moody and I'm not really that friendly with people, and I really get to you know I'm getting older and if I, five years in, there's a point where you're like, this ain't no longer as much about having fun anymore. Is that really you know? creating steps for making a career out of it somehow yeah yeah but do you do you catch yourself uh, uh, you know going to uh, new places to do comedy um 
Yeah, I, not as much as I should. There, you know, I used to go to Santa Cruz off and on a lot. I would do like. I'm really digging Santa Cruz. I I, I love Poet and the Patriot. Uh, you know, it's a great open mic. I I used to do the Showcase Blue Lagoon there. I haven't done that in forever. But I I would go down there and uh, you know just do mics there and they have their own little scene there. But I, I knew uh, I knew pe- a lot of people there. A lot of the people in that scene though moved different places and now it's made up of different people. Many I, I don't know. But I um, but yeah I, I used to like going mics there and and I go to, and sometimes some in Redwood City and some in you know I, I like going to different spots but not as much as I should. And the one that really counts that people talk about is uh, is is with San Francisco and I. I Every once in a while I'd go there, but not enough. And and so you know, I've been talking to Faco. He's been on on me since last year, even before that, about going up there more. And uh, I definitely plan on it. It's hard. I don't have a car, <laughs> you know. So being Faco would like take a train on the weekend. And now right now Sundays are really hard for me. But see, see, people don't understand how inspirational Faco can be, because he has no car. Right. You know, and, and he's working like uncalled jobs, and right. yet he's making he's making it out there to all these oh, mics. Oh, totally, he's a monster. Because I hear people are like, "Oh, I can't go there because I don't have a car." Right, like, right. Oh. I just said it, but but the thing is, for me, is my one day to do it was Sunday, because I'm out late doing doing you know mics and things during the week. But if it's if I could even if I get home late, it's not the same thing as coming home late from San Francisco. Where if I got you know. So it's hard for me if I get up at seven in the morning, but I still I still got to make the effort. Sundays I could do it, but now Sundays have been my Sundays have been kind of busy right now. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Faco's an animal, dude. He more than anybody I think grinds more than anyone I know because he'll do. You know, I feel good if I get set. You know, I get the seven in a week. I bet he gets twice as that a lot, and he doesn't even share that. You know, he's just a monster, and he's and he's hilarious. He could do his material. He could even not do material. And he's hilarious. And here's the big thing with Faco that's so great is what I think is missing. A lot of comics maybe have great jokes and they're, they're really good comics, but they're not very likable. Yeah. Faco has onstage likability, you know? Yeah. Off and, uh, he, and onstage, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I call him the rockiest stand-up because we've been to how many times, how many places I've been with him in the first minute or two. It's not going really well. Uh-huh. And I don't want to be in the room. And then within, you know, three minutes, everybody's laughing. Everybody's on his side. Everybody loves him. He does, like, you know, uh, there's certain boxers like that that were slow starters in the first round. Mm-hmm. Chavez was one of them. Mm-hmm. And just get warmed up and then, you know, knocks it out of the park, you know, every time. Mm-hmm. So he's, a, he's both our good friend and he's a, yeah. he's a monster. That's you know? another factor is endurance, having endurance on stage. Yeah. Willing to eat shit. And like try to you know work your way out of it, right, Cause, right. Because that's a problem I have also is sometimes I, I perform late uh-huh. into the night, right, and I'm just drained of energy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have that endurance to like you know give the best performance I can give. Right. And then uh, anyway, but I'm sure you're into new stuff right now that probably helps you with endurance. You're really involved in improv now. That's something that's new, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I I've been doing it a couple of years. Uh, um, I've taken classes. Uh, well, I'm, I started at uh, AIT American Improv Theater with Jeff Ringgold, and I and been taking classes there a couple of years. 
and I, I've taken some comedy sports classes, and I, it's um, they're totally different animals. You know what I mean? They're totally different. I don't just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're going to be good at the other. And I've seen people at, who do both who I think are better at one than the other. But I feel it is. You can. I think there are people that are good at both, and I think. But I think there, there obviously there, there are many people that are good at both. But uh, even though there's many that aren't, but um, I feel like it's just different muscles. You know, I, the only thing that helped me maybe is starting out is that being on stage a lot with stand up. I w- was less. I was more comfortable on stage if I just never had been on stage. So that's the only th- way I think I was kind of given advantage with stand-up with improv and maybe loosening up on improv helped me a little bit with stand-up but they're so different because stand-up is a one-man show there's crowd work but you got to have good jokes now improv is collaborative and most improv they don't want you to do jokes so it's like you're unlearning everything that you're supposed to do for one thing and trying to like trying to be right-handed in one thing and left-handed in the other they're very different you're not even supposed to try to be funny in improv, but I feel like it's helped me grow because just there's there's something in improv with just like just being truthful on stage and just kind of being in the moment and not trying. You know what I mean? And I feel that uh, I love it. It's totally different. I I love it, and I think maybe so. Maybe it's loosened me up or something, or or maybe be more truthful, or maybe it's benefited me in that way. But. And now I'm taking this, uh, I'm at Bay Area Acting Studio taking Meisner there and a form of, it's like a form of acting kind of between, I I, I have no, uh, the best way I could describe it is maybe you have like your more traditional theatrical acting and then you have like the method. He started with a method, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, you know, like he want, they say they want you to act truthfully in an imaginary world. But when they call cut, you know, you're, you're, you're back to your, you're not like having people refer to you as Abraham Lincoln when the, <laughs> you know, when it's called, um, when it's called, when the cut is called, you're not learning to be a taxi driver for months on end to, but I, I've learned a lot about stakes and I don't know. I think it all like helps develop you as a person, as a whole, you know, different things. And all these are all things that I were dreams of my like. Uh, you know, I've always one of my top five things I, I couldn't live without is movies. You know, and I know you are that way too. Like, I can't imagine living life without movies. I just love acting is one part of that. You know, there's also directing and there's cinematography and there's scoring and all that. But like to be able to, it's just it's aesthetics. You know, and so learning about start about acting. Uh, at a very rudimentary level since last fall it's been really it's been really great now I am a professional dancer and what that teaches me is pants on shirt off you know or or the other way around I don't know what I'm talking about but (laughs) how douchey have I sounded on this interview I just feel like it's what are you talking about I don't know I hate you don't sound douchey at all I, I when I look listen back, I don't want to cringe when listen to it, you know, because I, I like talk. I I have sometimes I 
I always I had this kind of compl- I think I got this from my dad where like I, I I'm to the point with certain things like when you're on stage and I'm if I'm on stage I'm telling a joke I'm not like okay so the point of this joke is that I just tell you know you just I just tell it mm-hmm. to the point but when I'm talking conversationally with people sometimes I have a really sickening habit of trying to find the right word for it and, it, and then like 30 minutes later I get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? No, so I don't want to. I, I don't, don't think listen. that's the case so far. Is okay. that how you feel? Like, no, no, no. Like, I, I but, hope not. But I, I understand the sentiment. I catch yeah. myself in that trap as I'm well. Like, what I mean is that some can do that. And uh, what was I just saying? Like, yeah. does it mean that you could uh, you could do stand up and be good at improv, or improv or good at stand up? Yeah. Maybe you could be good at both. Maybe you could not be good at both. I'm like compulsively trying to explain it. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? It's <laughs> dude, just a sickness. Dude. It's my mental uh, sickness. It's funny because usually I get emails from guests on this podcast, and uh-huh. I'm like, "Hey, you know, you know, they like, you know, the the interview, and they just wish, you know, they could if they could go back in time to reiterate certain things they said or emphasize or something uh-huh. like that." And I'm like, you know what? I understand the feeling. I have that feeling every episode. Yeah. As a as me as a host, I'm like, like the other day I was I was listening to an older um, interview I did uh-huh. with an artist, and there's a point where I was like cringing and yelling at myself. Going like, stop talking, man. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What the f- How did I let this thing out there? You know? But, you know, you just got to, you know, go yeah. with the flow and, and be in the moment. It's, and, and, which goes back to the original question I asked you was about uh-huh. improv and how improv might have challenged you or changed you or to help you with your stand-up. Yeah. It's, I, I'm sure they, I think, I'm sure they both, I think stand-up helped me when I first started improv in that, I had expo- been on stage enough that I had more comfort on stage than your average person that were that start improv classes. Like I, I, I had enough. You had an edge. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had, I had uh, that on stage comfort that ma- many others didn't, and I think improv probably helped in that uh, maybe being in the moment and being truthful. Not. It, may have enriched my stand-up as far as being more truthful and, and more in the moment and natural on stage. With that said, I still do think that it's like there's such different animals. For That's a fucking stupid... But they're so different yeah. that just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're good at the other. And even the people that are good at both, it's they're not using the same muscles. It's like saying someone if someone could be great at football and great at basketball... But they do, they depend on such different set of skills. I guess people, uh, I think people compare them because the comedy. Yeah. But they're very different. Like, like I said, stand-up. The, the stand-up. audiences are different too, right? Oh, yeah. They're very kind of like, there's things that, and I think both crowds kind of shit on each other a little bit. Not like, everyone in a minute improv are super nice, but like all the teachers that I have and stuff. But like at a lo- lower, like you just talk to people that improvise some when I first met would be like oh this person I kind of you get that feeling oh he's a stand up or something and comics are like many <laughs> comics are like improv sucks that's that arty yeah. shit you know what I mean yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's kind of a mutual hatred but that's silly because I think they it not only both enrich people very much but as far as like the comics who enjoy sketch comedy like since SNL you know, probably 90% of sketch comedy has some, 
nine over ninety percent of sketch comedy that they enjoy involves people that came from improv. Like all the SNL people originally came from Second City. Yeah, a lot of them come from Improv Olympic. Like, so even if you don't like the art form of improv, it's enriched their life in areas that they enjoy, like sketch. So I think you need both. You know, and um, they're just very different. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh. I, I hate both. I hate when people are like, I don't like it, so so it must suck. It's like, yeah, I there's things I don't like. There's comics. There's a comic. I'm not gonna. Uh, there's I could. I won't name names, but there's ten comics I could think. There's I could name ten comics who are. There's one I'm thinking of, and I will not say her name. And she's a nice person. Um, and this person I was. Just talking the other day, I could see her blowing up. I could see her, like on a last comic standing show. I could see her fucking. She destroys, and I could just see her like blowing up. But just like you like, you say I love music. It doesn't mean you're gonna like the same music as another guy that loves music. There's so many different genres of music, and there's so many. Just because you love comedy, like doesn't mean one comic is your cup of tea or what you find funny. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's no mark against a person, but uh, there's people, there's tons of people that have made it that are huge that me and you may not be into, you know? Right, right I hear you. I hear you. You know what I mean? But also, dude, I see with comedy, like, sometimes it's, there's a lot of ingredients, I think. Like, okay, this person is middle-aged, they have an accent, they have the... <laughs> There's certain no 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 I'm just saying they may have a common. I know who you're talking about. Now. No 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 I'm not talking I'm not talking about I'm not talking about anyone I know. I'm just saying I'm using that as an example. I'm not mentioning anybody or talking about anyone. I'm saying is let's say a person did have certain things. Maybe if they talked in a different way, or if they they talked with like a southern accent instead of this uh, instead of a east accent or something east coast accent, maybe the punchlines wouldn't work like it does but you know there's a combination of things and there's also things that people are comfortable to laugh at mm-hmm. you know there are comics I've seen where they do material where if it was just like a straight up white guy that came out and did that they would go oh that's that's kind of racist that's like that's like uh, blackface or something you know what I mean mm-hmm. but when it's done by someone in that ethnic group I mean I, I'm using a bad example but well that makes know. sense like, there's a couple of times where um, I had to tone down my material to better appease a wider range of people, you know, like my uh, my my book judgment uh-huh. bit, you know, the punchline was was the was cunt, right? And I will not get as many laughs. I get a lot of oohs, but people right. who I, there was a good amount of like select few who enjoyed that punchline, right? Who were really laughing. Changed you saw that. me in the corner jumping <laughs> up and down, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I changed the punchline from cunt to douchebag. Uh-huh. And I got a, wi- a better, wider response. Because right, right. it's not as strong of a word, right. but it's strong enough to get the, the point across of, of, of the setup. Right, right. And ever since, and even Fako was telling me the other day, I was like, man, you censored yourself, didn't you? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, you don't use cunt, you use douchebag for that punch. I was like, well, yeah, because more people get to laugh at that. It sounds like you edited yourself more. Yeah, it's yeah. editing, not censoring. Right, right. And and, uh, and and that's another lesson to learn is like, you know, got to know your crowds, you know. Right. And that's something I learned running a, an open mic and performing other open mics. It's like you really got to adapt. 
which you have experience now running open mics. You've been helping out PX with her uh, Willow oh, yeah. Grand Pizzeria. Uh, you know, so any lessons you learned there? You know, kind of uh, running, well, running I, that open mic. I, I PX is awesome. The pizza is awesome there. I I I hate hosting, but it's a skill I know I have to develop because if you get weekend work, the first thing they want is like an opener that's going to host. You know. And then the next is what uh, um, is the feature, and then the headliner. And I know it's a skill to develop, but I think I'm a, I think I'm an okay host. But it, it's not like my thing that I, I I don't enjoy like trying to light someone who's gonna gonna try to run the light and all that stuff, you know. But it's a needed skill. You need someone to bring people up, and so I realized. Uh, yeah, but what were some of the challenges you had to deal with initially? Uh, well, probably unique ones there is when to start the show because there's no people there, you know, at first. Now I go there. There's been times where it's just PX gets people there is just packed. But I've had it where like, all right, we're gonna start at seven thirty, and there's somebody's grandma here. That's it, you know. So I'm like, uh, I guess we'll start at seven forty-five. You know, I'm like, you want to? So that was that whole thing. And then you have someone that's like, they're like, okay, five minutes and we'll put this person on and the guy goes on for 30 seconds or worse, you give someone 10 minutes and they're like, okay, all right, one more or something, you know, you do 10 minutes and they want to be up there 13 minutes and the few people that are there are like, you know, not enjoying it, you know, that whole thing. Hmm. Um, and remembering people's names. Yeah. Even people I know. <laughs> to this day, I fuck up people's names all the time I, at Friscotti. <laughs> <laughs> I freak out. I freak out like, oh, shit. Like, I know him, but I'm blanking out right now. I'm just going to say his first name, Phil, or something, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. I've done that, too. I, I just say the person's first name. Where are we going to be in five years? Where do you want to be in five years, Jorge? I might be dead, dude. I don't know. Why do you say that? That's kind of dramatic. Yeah, I know. I kind of took it for a weird turn, didn't I? I don't know. I, I can't really imagine myself in five years. I, I, I just... Like, at this point, you know, like, I just graduated college, have a good year and a half off, you know, in the, in the real world, you know, quote-unquote. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I could really survive this. I, I So much things I want to do, and yet, you know, not many resources available to you. You know what right. I'm saying? So... The cost of living here sucks. It does. And I think that could be very um, hindering at times. Yeah. It's like, you make a million bucks, are you an engineer? Good. You make, you're a school teacher that makes three thousand, two $2,500 a month or $2,000 a month. Uh, yeah, you could do that if you don't mind living with your parents when you're 52. You know, it's like, it. I think there's I, I I don't think the answers are simple because some people oh just because of rich people this and that that's part of it but it's not simple like that I think it's also housing it's about um, there there are limits to housing and there's more and more people there's 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 a number of reasons and it makes a shit situation because um, you know no one wants to be an adult without their own living spot, especially when they're working nine to six every day, and then they're pursuing their dreams, and they're exotic well, dancer, and they got a great body. You know. Well, here's what's eating at me personally, is that here I got the skill, 
you know, as far as, you know, and, and dream, uh, which is primarily, you know, film production. Uh, and yet, there's not really a job market for that here. And if there is for here, it's not enough to really make a living as much. Right. You got to move to L.A. Right. So so now my options are becoming of like, I should move move most likely to L.A. Which you want as a comic anyways, too. But. Right. But... If you, but then I'm like, I've already put too much investment and in infrastructure to what I have here already. Right. So it's it's not just of like, oh, moving on to whatever on my own. It's more about like, I'm leaving behind a lot, and a, a lot of a, a lot of opportunities and projects that I personally wanted and I currently have. Okay. Podcast is one of them. This podcast. So it's like it, it's not a simple sacrifice for me. Because I have that choice, Wait. and which I'm sure a lot of creative people in San Jose go through. It's like I have a lot going on here. I'm, you know, being somewhat recognized, and, and, and the opportunities are okay. But I just can't see myself making a living off of here. Right. Then, just like the the insecurities you have going to the punchline, where it's like nobody knows who you are, right. and, and you're dealing with a lot of people with experience in that environment, or people who, who, who you know, um, are really good at what they're doing, and. I go to LA. And nobody's gonna know who the fuck I am, and and the and you the, feel like the starting over thing. Is starting like. over thing, and the thing is, like you know, I, at a certain point, you're like, do I really want to start over, start over from scratch from everything I built already? But you know, like people were telling me before, in the end, it's not gonna matter because if you go there and they even think you're starting, which you haven't, and I haven't, you're gonna be better off than the people that are just starting because you've been doing it, and people will recognize your work, and in time, you will. Meet people, and there are friends that are going there. Which it's it would be weird for me because I'm from I was born and raised in LA County. I'm from there. I grew up in I'm from Long Beach, and uh, I've been wanting to go back there. And then while I was up here, I, San Jose's become my second home, you know. But eventually, my ideal is to, if not the city of LA, go move to Long Beach and do sets in Long Beach and LA, and. Uh, you know, we have, as far as comics, you have San Jose friends, as I do, comics that have moved there and are setting up shop there. Mitri and Zach Pierce are now roommates there, I saw, which I was jealous because I've been trying to get roommates up here forever, and no, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I want I want to do it, and I'm the only one that's looking, I feel like, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, Ben Jaramillo's there. Um, there's tons of guys that, have, that you met here in the scene here that have moved down there already that you will have an advantage knowing them and if people do think you're new like 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 i said you will have that much more years of experience than the than the people they think is brand i i i don't think it should bother you and that's what i've kind of grits with like when i start going back uh the punchline in april when i plan on going there and, and just going more sets there i do know some people there most don't know me but it doesn't matter if they think i'm brand new because First off, it doesn't matter what they think, but as long as I put in the work and and I do a good job and I'm funny, people will know me, you know? And that's all that matters, and people will know you, so it doesn't matter. And maybe I'm planning on going there at some point. You're going to have to go there at some point, both as a comic, unless you go to New York, and as a film production guy, unless there's something in the city up here that you could do with film production. And uh, who knows? We may end up being roommates there. You know what I mean? So where do you see yourself in five years? Um, I want to be like m as much better, like 
where I am right now, I it it's not not where I want to be at, but I'm a hundred times, I'm a million times better than when I first started. I look at when I first started, I was shit. I knew anyone, no one starts stand up who doesn't think they're funny. You got to be funny. You got to have the talent to be funny. But Chris Rock once said, just because you're funny at a party doesn't mean you're funny on stage. And just because you're funny as a human being doesn't make you a good comic. You, you, you have to develop skills as a comic. So I knew I was a funny person and I knew that was my dream since I was a kid. And it was, I felt out in my heart, I was meant to do it. But I, I went up there and I sucked balls as a comic. I didn't, it takes, I think talent and hard work, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if I'm, you know, living at mommy and daddy's house, I'm a million times better than I was five years ago. In another five years, I want to be that much better than I am now as a comic. And I want to be less fat. Me too. <laughs> I, I want to be, I want to be healthier. Ugh. And the rest, the the rest will take care. If hopefully, if I'm that much better in f- another five years, in ten years, in if I'm that much better than I am now, than I than I am now to five years ago, the rest of the things will take care of themselves. Hopefully, then you know, I could by then. Hopefully, I will be getting weekend work, and um, you know, more opportunities opening, more money. You know, um, you know, some people. They got bodies, and some people got temples, baby, and that's what I'm here for. You know, is my my body is the temple. You know, dude. Yeah, man. We were, before we were recording, we were talking about our weights, and I went to the doctors, and they weighed me at 255. I never weighed that much in my life, well, you, and ever since then, I couldn't bear sit, see myself in the mirror. I'm just like, oh. So I'm I'm starting a new diet. I'm gonna try to eat a, a healthy shake in the mornings. Oh, cool. And so eat you eat a healthy shake, and then when do you eat a, eat, eat after that? Uh, never again for the rest of the day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just don't try to eat healthier choices and find time for exercise. And yeah, because that's the thing. It's like that's not you know health. It's like as much as you're doing what you're doing, you know, creatively or career wise, it's like you gotta keep your health as well. Yeah, I I haven't been sleeping well, and because you, when you're you know. Because I find myself in a, feeling shitty because I just, you know, my body-wise, I feel shitty. Yeah. No, me too. I get that. I I am like a, I am like the a Luther Vandross or an Oprah Winfrey, uh, uh, like the white ver- male version because I, I use, you know, I lose and gain weight. Like it's all maybe six or seven times I've lost 40 pounds and then I gain it back. Like I used to be skinny till I hit my late twenties and, uh, you know, I lost 37 pounds, gained it all back, lost 30 pounds, gained it all back. And, uh, last year I lost 23 pounds and then by the holidays gained it all back and then some, and I recently reached my heaviest at 245. And, uh, so I, I started, I lost a couple and my goal is to get back to 200 because I can't fucking sleep like this, man. I, I go, I lay down, I sleep, and I snore, and sleep apnea, all that is so bad when you're fat that I wake up like three or four times. I'm like, <sighs> you can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm like, dude, I don't want to die from a heart attack. I'm not ready to die. I'm too. I, I'm. 
I have ambition. I want to do things, you know. So I, I, I started last week, started eating salads again. Like I like eating carbs and eating all that, but I noticed when I lost the 20 pounds last year before getting it all back the same year, I was eating like a protein and vegetables or salad at night early night and then I wouldn't eat the rest of the day rest of the night if I I could eat heavy bread all that during the day but like when I got out of work let's say six I'd eat like chicken and broccoli mm. or something like, like like not like baked chicken skinless chicken you know what I mean and like broccoli or like a salad and then wouldn't eat the rest of the night with the exercise like on a treadmill during lunch break 20 pounds came out. it took me like six months but it came off the mo- I hurt my knee. The moment I stopped doing that and the moment I started eating like shit at night, like it's 10.30 at care. At, I'm at Woodham's at 10.30. I'll have five bags of Doritos. Like that shit gets on fast, man. Yeah, yeah. Those carbs, dude. Dude, the, the other day I was with Faco. <laughs> and I'm telling Faco how like about the whole diet thing. And Faco was like, Jorge, be a man. Be a man, Jorge. You know, I got a diet for you. He's like, yeah, okay. So he's, but he's like telling me, he's like, you know, you can't eat this, but you can't eat that. You can't eat this. And then afterwards, we're like, all right, want to grab some In-N-Out? And <laughs> we did it. I got ourselves a four by four, oh, which, awesome. is, which is a four patty burger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love, yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I'm never going to lose weight, you know? It's like those late night eats after, because oh, yeah. that's how we celebrate a good set usually. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, we go out and celebrate with, you know, fast food or something. Yeah. And In-N-Out, we're talking high class fast fast. That's a, that's, that's a California classic. I love that's high end, yeah. but, uh, no buts. Baco, what I like about him, he did lose some weight. He lost some weight, but he has like a like strict like, he'll he'll just cut out soda, no but, sugar, yeah, at all. But yeah. I'm like, if you eat, you know, I, but the stuff he was eating with all the cheese and everything was like I would think it would even it out, even out, but. I was but like, that's what I was dedi- laughing. Yeah, I, I guess he's dedicated though, because he was like, "What did we eat last night? We ate at Jack in the Box, two munchy meals, yeah. but he had a water with it." I'm like, "Dude, yeah. come on! Like, you can't spurge a Coke when you when you've got like when you have a a double decker burger, uh, cheese grill, cheese with two kinds of fries and two tacos." Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a water with it, you know, yeah. and no cup must, no ketchup because there's sugar. Yeah, I was like, dude, but we'll see. That's all the fat man. That's a fattening meal, but yeah, what? Let's play some associative play. Oh, you mention a name, and I respond, and I mention a name, and you respond. What you think? Jesus. Oh, okay. Does that sound fun? Um, sure, I'll give it a try. Okay, you mentioned just... Is this an improv game? Are we improv No, right I, I, maybe we are. I didn't know. I'm just thinking. I just thought of it. Like, we just... Ne- just what we think about certain people. Oh. I don't know. Uh-oh. No, Uh-oh. no, 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 no. It did, but not like if it's going to be... By the be- way, by the way, at Caravan, we were talking about this one particular performer who was there. I felt bad. I felt bad. I was I was, oh, I, I was right, a little right. drunk, I'll admit that. Yeah. But maybe like, we shouldn't play it cuz then it's going to be like we're going to be like the, I don't I, I wasn't thinking of naming people and then talking shit about them. I was just I don't know. Or places. We could just name places. 
Because then, yeah, I don't want to get to a shit talking thing. But I know exactly what you're talking about, and I felt the same way about the person as you yeah, did. Yeah, but I felt bad, you know, the fact that we were talking about him as he was performing. I'm like, yeah. oh, Jesus. But then I was, part of me was in, like, this says something about me. He was shitting the bed, and I was kind of enjoying it because I but, was enjoying it, you know, because he's kind of an asshole. So. But, but here's the thing, because earlier we talked about, you know, performers, uh, you know, that how we don't want to be like necessarily as as the fifth year comes on like we're trying to prove ourselves yeah but something i do not want to be is delusional and you know there's some performers out there not just in comedy but in variety of other stuff who are delusional and think and don't improve right, right it's right. like you're seeing them doing not necessarily the same material but just the same shit over and over and over and it's not you know getting them anywhere we we talk about my set two weeks ago. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> there's people I probably, that think that about me reusing some jokes. So I'm gonna make it work. But go yeah, go ahead. But a part of like why I dislike them is because maybe because I see a part of myself in them. I see. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I don't like this person because I feel like they're reflecting me in some way. Right, right, right. You know, because that's also a fear. It's like yeah. you know maybe I'm just shitty and I don't know about it. Right. And you, people just accept me because I hung out, you know. I, you know, there's people, I, I, I've, I think there's a lot of truth in those when people say you don't like someone because you see something in, of you in them. But there are people I genuinely don't like because they're for s- purely selfish reasons that, the, that I, I feel they're an asshole to me. Like, I'm pretty, like, if someone's nice to me in anything, like, they're just, res- like, cool to me. Even if I don't like him as a comic, I'm like, he's the best, pe- this guy's the best piece of ass in Texas. Like, I just love whoever's nice to, just because I, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I just like people who are nice. I mean, who, who wants someone being an asshole then? But, um, there is, I know what you're talking about, because there was a guy at De Anza, and I was at De Anza way too long. I graduated from there, but I was there way too long. And I saw some dude there that was like... I'm going to say he was like in his late 40s or something, maybe 50s. And he was a fucking mental case that would be wearing like an army jacket, like in 100 degree weather. And he would talk to himself on the bus and he would go and sit at the by himself at the lunch benches and talk to himself. And he never got the, he had this haircut like, like Benjamin Franklin that Benjamin Franklin's a great man but this his haircut but it was like I don't know there was something I wanted to go up and like rip his hair off his head and he just was always I'd look and he'd stare at someone or he'd be staring at me and he was bothered me and maybe I, I he bothered me so much I was phobic of him and I think I wonder when I was on the bus the reason I was phobic of him was that I was a f- terrified of ever being something like that you know I was terrified. I don't want to be in my late 40s at De Anza talking to myself about, you know, earthlings. and Which is still plausible. We still got a long I'm, way to I go. I do it in my room all the time. <laughs> but I was like, I, I get, so I guess I'm saying is I get what you're saying. There are people yeah. where you're like, oh, I fucking hate him. Oh, I hope I'm not like him. So I'm going to hate him more. It's like the guy that, you know, people kill people because they, they're afraid they're something, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. 
All right, you reached the hour, dude. Okay, well, we've made thank it. You, thank you for having me, man. No, thank you for having uh, for coming here. For yeah, me. for coming here. Yeah, uh, it was you, fun. Had, you had a good time. I did. I had a great time. I had a good great chat. time. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Kyle. Thank you for having me, Jorge. Kyle Hovland, ladies and gentlemen. Kyle Hovland. Catch him at your local comedy show here in the South Bay or beyond. He might be in your town. You never know. All right, that's it for this week. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Have a great rest of your weekday. I hope you you can uh, get through this week as usual. Next week's episode, we have a musician coming over with a voice of an angel. I had a great talk with her, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, everybody, have a good one. Sayonara. Take care. Stay cool. And, um, yeah, till next week.